Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 439 of Linux in the Hamshack. This is our deep dive episode, and this one will take a little bit of a different course because we're going to be talking about an upcoming conference, one that we have mentioned and actually had an interview on several years ago, but not in quite some time. So let's go ahead and get into it. But before we do that, we'll introduce ourselves, the usual cast of characters. I'm Russ, K5TUX. Bill, NE4RD, is on assignment tonight, but we do have... Cheryl, W5MOO. Yes. And we also have, from Ohio Linux Fest, the thing we're going to be talking about tonight, Beth Lynn Eicher, one of the longtime organizers of OLF. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. And unfortunately, I do not have a cool hammers handle. So you'll have to forgive me. But I, I will get around to having my license done whenever I get to that pile of round toots. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. We have talked with many people who don't yet have their license, and that's okay because that just means you're a ham in the making. So, but we're not really here to talk about ham unless, of course, it comes up in the discussion of OLF. I don't know if you guys are going to have like a ham track or something like Self does, but we'll get around to all of that. Let's start at the beginning and talk about. The foundations of OLF, uh, when it started and all of that, and what the the basic idea behind the Ohio Linux Fest is. I mean, I know all Linux conferences and open source conferences have the same basic goal in mind, but tell us a little bit about the origins of OLF. Fantastic, Russ. Great question about, oh goodness, now 19 years ago that it was a dream to bring um, really just about everybody that was a mover and shaker in Linux and free software into Ohio and invite everyone who was crazy enough to drive in to participate and just go about the business of having what was billed as an interlug gathering. We were so happy to have also looked up and noticed that some folks outside of Bellingham, Washington had a successful event also in 2003 called Linux Fest Northwest. And we were like, wow, Linux Fest, that sounds like a pretty cool word to us and described what we were trying to do. So we, we took it, we, we ran with it. And I suppose you could say the rest is history, but 
all in all, um, people through the years have come to, to know us as OLF and, and we're just so happy to still be around, to still be relevant and to be back late, late, late this fall to bring to folks once again a live in-person show for folks who want to know, of course, what is new in free software. So back in the early days, you mentioned LUGS, or Linux users groups, and you had uh, probably several that were in the Columbus and greater Columbus area that were where people participated and talked about Linux and using it in its, its upcoming features and things, and we used to do the same here as well, and they used to proliferate pretty far and wide, but they seem to have dried up. Have, have Linux users groups gone away in your area, or do they still exist, or is everything sort of reduced to conferences when those can happen? Well, good question. The Linux user group that started off was actually outside of Canton and thought that a, a central location would be a great place place to, to bring people in with energy around uh, OSU. Quickly, other lugs caught on to, to the notion all from around the state and definitely wanted to, to jump on the bandwagon. But it was a matter of the, the paradigm of things being more than just Linux as to why I, I feel that the same sentiment that you were feeling that lugs have died down. Uh, uh, user groups have not died down there. There's uh, definitely many special interest groups that have been born in during this pandemic to, to fill little niches of um, different projects that involve free software or free culture that we all want to, um, to get involved with. And that that's where I, I see the, the most energy coming from when I uh, first encountered a Linux users group. I was there specifically to, to get started with Linux. But now that we've grown up together with Linux, we, we all want to play with new and emerging and perhaps re-emerging technologies to continue to, to celebrate each other's freedom and choices and the ability to um, adapt and, and share and, and share alike with uh, other like-minded individuals. And that's where I see a lot of the user group activity happening now. So maybe you could go back to what you recall from the early days of OLF and then look at the last full-fledged one before conferences sort of went away due to the global pandemic and maybe tell us what you see do a little compare and contrast to the very first OLF to the last one that happened before everything kind of went away how is it how has it become different has its focus shifted um you know tell us about like attendance and things like that what, whatever you can remember that's different or interesting between and how it's evolved over the last 20 something years I think that in a way we're, we're going back to our roots in, in 2021, 20, uh, but in 
03, it was a single-track sort of operation uh, hosted out of Ohio State University, where uh, there there really was the, the movers and shakers of uh, free and open-source software within a reasonable driving distance of Columbus, Ohio, and it there was a talk about Linux terminal server project, and then there was a, a talk from one of the founders of Mozilla that um, definitely come to mind for, from year one, but it see, seemed to be some something for everyone, but everybody was gathered in one room, and everybody had to um to know for sure that they were coming there well in advance and and take it seriously in marking their calendars and and be there because of course um being a, a single track and being in um, a, a good-sized auditorium in the university, the, the amount of options were, were quite limited as to how you were able to pull it off and pull it off at very minimal to no cost. So um, it, it entailed being uh, very, very, very watchful to make sure that you didn't over overbook the seats. So I, I believe that it, it was under 150 in capacity in, in that auditorium. And for that very reason, I almost didn't go because I almost didn't make the, the RSVP cutoff. Now, the way things were going in 2019, we were in the hundreds, if not almost approaching 1,000. We were in a convention center hotel. We had a multiple concurrent tracks going on. It, it was still the, the movers and shakers of free software. There was still something for everyone, but it, it didn't have as uh, much of a, a homey feel to it just because uh, we we were so scattered out between several rooms that uh, the it was very possible that you didn't get a chance to to connect it with everybody or just plain flat out did not notice that that your friend had attended the entire conference and until it was a time for the after reception. Oh, with with this future paradigm, what we we have is the idea of one main strange track where we'll we'll book uh, our our most popular talks as well as a one breakout track to allow for, for properly socially distancing all of the spaces and while well, continuing to, to maintain the community feel. All right, very good. So when it comes to the current iteration of OLF, when, when do you think it sort of changed from, you know, a group of lugs getting together in a single track format to what I would guess you would consider a 
full-blown conference? When when was that transition? How long into the development of it? It somewhat happened as an emergency, really, because what we needed to execute on is a a three-track conference, which uh, we thought we had booked uh, this space for gratis in at Ohio State, but it was not at all actually secured due to um, some volunteer oopses, which led us to go ahead and have to be serious about collecting revenue and uh, explore what, what sort of function spaces would be able to accommodate the the type of crowd that we were expecting so that that's what put us in the high regency columbus and it's really been a great fit for our community all these years and that's why we keep coming back to that space well that and it's always better to or easier to get into a space you've been established at for sure let's let's talk a little bit about 2020 before we get into the current conference, the one that's coming up in a couple of months, or less than a couple of months, actually, what did you guys do last year to kind of keep the ball rolling and keep interest in OLF when there couldn't actually be a conference held? For one, we were already talking about um, expanding the OLF brand for... Um, just some of the same reasons that we've already talked about with um, user groups transforming into to special interests rather than being uh, so focused on uh, Linux-specific issues. So um, we, we wanted to, to create that, that sort of mind space and paradigm without uh, giving up the notion of the same sorts of user group roots and um, freedom values that we have already the um well 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 established through just plain um, behaving the way that we do and conducting business the way that we do, but also going through the, the trouble of becoming a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, moreover, when we went virtual, we wanted to already distance ourselves from the notion that we were just Ohio or just Ohio people, which is um, definitely not true even from year one so we we took the opportunity to rebrand as olf conference to mean open libra free or if you prefer to say ohio linux fest i will not correct you both are right both are true we will continue to to celebrate uh, the freedoms that we've all been guaranteed in the GNU manifesto because that, that's the, the way that I continue to see it, everything, uh, continuing to evolve. So I, I'm pretty ha- happy about that sort of past us choice that, that set us up, uh, for, uh, our 2020 pivot. To, to the virtual space. We, we were thinking about 
proceeding on whenever we were still in in denial early on in in 2020. Oh, well, it, it couldn't possibly be that bad. And it was. So, yeah, um, we, we were able to re- rebook our arrangements with the Hyatt without a- any sort of loss. However, we, we definitely couldn't see a, a, a year without any classic OLF fun. So it, it really took, uh, us as a team to come together and really try to to define our, our values and define what what makes us special and what what continues to make us special is really our, our community to and our contacts that will continue to enable us to to reach out to the movers and shakers and free software. So that's what we were able to do on the online platform being able to to stream out being able to to welcome our almost perennial uh, guest of honor john mad dog hall to to come in and give us a talk and to also have him invite his friend red hat founder bob young in into the party it was just uh, such a fun show to do and i i I am really, really, really glad that, that we did it to continue the conversation of, of free software. All right, fantastic. So now let's get to this year. Let's get into the meat of the matter and talk about OLF Open Libre Free Conference 2021, which you've moved into December. And if you want to talk about the move into December, you can certainly do that. But so what's the, what's the crux? What's the format of the show this year? As far as the core educational opportunities, I assume there there's going to be uh, lots of different activities to participate in. We can get to some of the maybe extracurriculars later, but like who, who, what kind of speakers do you have? What kind of tracks do you have? And things like that. What's what's good at OLF this year? So we have quite the show, but first I'll start by answering, I suppose, the, the easiest question about like why pushing all the way back to December. We decided to push back all the way to December in hopes of uh, a healthier world, a healthier America where we would be able to join together from people from multiple states to travel and I, I sometimes this pandemic moves time both fast and slow that you you have to remember that even if you received two doses of your your favorite brand of vaccine back in May you could not enter Ohio unless you lived there it now, could not means different things to different people. So, like, of course, people who had um, le- legitimate reasons in, in which to to, um, to pass through Ohio, but 
are one thing, but it's another thing to, to just enjoy a leisure vacation in um, a state that is your, not your own, which it was, was the case uh, up until then. So once that had opened, we, we saw other restrictions open, such as the entire building couldn't have more than 300 people in attendance at any given time for any given uh, um, reason. So if a- another event had booked for a-, a weekend in the same hotel, then that would mean that ooh, we would share the 300 quota with Uh, another event so um we decided to keep things responsible by restricting the number of attendees that could come and physically be there yet we continue to really 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 hope that for crying out loud that people would get their vaccines and, and do the the right thing for humanity as well as providing a safe environment that wasn't too late in in the year because uh, of course we we are sensitive to the fact that it will be Hanukkah season that particular week and um, people will be giving up perhaps uh, the opportunity to go to a, a holiday block party or something along those lines to attend OLF at Columbus, Ohio on December 4th and 5th. But we we just wanted to make sure that it would be a, a safe environment for all and and safety has always been the top of mind for us will olf have a virtual component as well as an on-site component and if that's the case will they be the same will everyone have access to the same information same tracks and so forth or will they be different what we are um a endeavoring to do is a um, mainstream track where we will uh, YouTube live as a uh, fairly professionally produced uh, endeavor where we've partnered with the convention uh, center's AV staff to, to make sure that that could happen and happen with uh, free software, and that's something that I'm, I'm looking forward to um, making sure that that we accomplish to to live sh- stream it directly to YouTube, as well as a, a breakout track where we're trying to out- iron out the details how to to make the breakout track also be accessible to to the outside world who cannot make it. In- in physical person, but uh, we're very, very excited about that. Parts of the program that we regret we will not be able to, uh, in fact, live stream or the professional training that's the OLFI program uh, because we felt that it would be really important important to bring it back down to uh, the in-person 
sort of format because those are in, uh, meant to, to be hyper-focused, multi-hour, and, you know, training tutorials where, where you lo- walk through details intensely and want to be able to, to ask an instructor uh, questions while um, they, they can literally look over your shoulder rather than zooming because uh, quite honestly there there's some people who are just plain fed up with zooming some people are also in the situation where they are not able to to even fathom coming to an in-person event despite the fact that we do require everyone to be back Vaccinated. Uh, I I understand that it, that is a, a very personal decision, as well as whether or not you can physically make the travel. So for those folks who actually do make travel and get to participate in OLF as an in-person event, what are you doing outside of the educational tracks? Will there be like a hallway track, birds of a feathers at night, things like that, uh, a vendor event? Will there be an expo of some kind? Yeah, we we are just wrapping up signing on our exhibitors. If you're interested, I'd love to hear from you, but we we need to hear from you quickly to to secure your table. Interestingly enough, that that was something that they they missed from the in-person experience to to be able to re- reach out to the exhibitors and get to see what uh, is new and innovative in industry. So um, I'm very excited to, to bring that back once again. It does not 100% cover the cost of the show, but it, it does help so much, so much. And we, we very much love our sponsors, especially the, the first one who, who had signed with us to be a, a partner level sponsor. That would be the Linux Professional Institute. They, they've been just so amazing to us over the years. All right. Do you guys have anything fun planned for the event? After parties, anything like that? Cool stuff that people who get to show up in person might be interested in participating in? Yeah. Yeah. I, I forgot to say that, yes, of course, we're, we're bringing back the, the birds of a feather. Oh, we're going to, to be able to do that as an in-person function and and i'm very very pleased to to be able to do that because it it was really uh, about um making sure that we we could get people together in the same room to to have informal discussions and that might be a little cumbersome to to bring back in time back in the the virtual format participants but we're we're still brainstorming on um specifically that we we do hope to have some parties so um we we've had a, a traditional happy hour event on friday to introduce our, our sponsors to our community and get people mingling and and at least saying hi and and thank you for sponsoring so to take a look for that as well 
as a, a way to just uh, wrap up and, and say goodbye to everybody on um, Saturday night. Um, the, those types of things, just being able to gr- gather around are, are just so very important. We should probably let you mention some of the folks who, are, well, before we get into mentioning uh, sponsors and stuff, what, what kind of things, if any, are you looking for in the realm of volunteerism? Are you accepting donations from people who just want to make a private contribution to the show? And uh, do you need any help as far as uh, putting on the show or, or staffing or anything like that before it gets rolling? Yes, yes, and yes. We do have a pay-what-you-would-like online-only registration. You can pay the bare minimum of the the registration for the in-person of of $20. You could choose to, to pay a little more. To show your appreciation, you could sign up for the, the supporter pass, which would give you lunch for the two days. That, that would be a highly excellent way to say thanks. And as you register, you can choose to buy a t-shirt and you can choose to, to make a, um, separate donation contribution. We do have a, crowdfunding partnership with the Linux Foundation, and oh, I have, we haven't really pushed it out yet, but um, that might be some way that, that people would be able to contribute to us uh, if they want to uh, give us money, but for whatever reason they do not want to, to register for the uh, show as an online participant or an in-person participant, but would like to contribute to let us know that they are happy that we exist. We also need volunteers. Volunteers would be essential in, in any year for um the purposes of making sure that that people uh, ch- check in and p- pick up their badge and pick up the t-shirt if they ordered one and uh, uh, feel welcomed and perhaps buy a raffle ticket but all, all of that that uh, that um lo- logistics is still going to be ha- happening, albeit with uh, less capacity as we had in 2019, but it, it's still a very important thing because it, we are doing this in a city with a mask mandate, so we're going to need to make sure that everybody in our space of course is compliant with that, compliant with our ask that everybody comes fully vaccinated, and um, is truly here to um, in- engage positively in uh, the conversation of free software. There, there are uh, other tasks that would perhaps be uh, overlooked by somebody who wasn't running the show, like where we're going to need somebody to make sure that the, the tutorials receive power Friday morning and 
those are the the types of tasks that that we very much appreciate to be be part of the overall experience as well as people who are virtually only believe it or not we are in need of people who are virtual only volunteers to make sure that the the community conversation over there is great moreover we're we are still going to have a a show raffle but we're going to move that uh, to an online format so that People, no matter where they are, can participate. So I'm pretty excited about going in that new direction. All right, very good. So let's get down to some brass tacks then, I guess. Let's talk about sponsors and speakers. You can name uh, the good ones, the best ones, or you can name all of them or whatever. But who can we expect to see for vendors, sponsors, and speakers at the show this year? So for the speakers, we have uh, some uh, amazing new keynotes. We we got Mark Phillips from more of the the government space with with Raytheon talking about where is the secret source and that that will be about. Um, how free software is in- indeed a thing in um, government space and specifically classified gla- government space. We, we also have Kate Stewart. She's from the Linux Foundation, and she'll be talking about hobbyist code going to Mars. Uh, that... That's just thrilling, and it brings home the, or brings to out of home, the notion that we are um, not not just Linux anymore, but but we are apparently interstellar with our proliferation of free software. So I'm very, very, very excited about that. And of course, we'll, we'll have, um, John Mag Dog Hall back again. Um, what's he barking about this time? They did it again. Yes. Um, he's pretty, um, hopping upset about Microsoft's latest release of Windows product. And, uh, he, he's ho- hoping that, um, folks will, will s- perhaps consider seeing the light and trying the uh, free software desktop of and really any of the Linux distributions at this time because it would be real shame to to watch such great hardware go to landfills for one thing, but it's just a higher quality experience, which I'm sure most of your audience might be um, keen on agreeing with me on that. Well, for sure, we definitely want to promote Linux wherever possible and open source wherever possible, even if you have to do the unthinkable and run it on Windows. But what about sponsors? Tell us who's supporting your show this year and who people might be able to interact with if they get there on site. First, I wanted to 
thing um lpi uh, again as a our first uh, partner sponsor and we're we're just so thrilled to, to have them back and uh, their support of us has been phenomenal and uh, i also wanted to thank oracle who was also um coming back again but they're Support ha- is going to have to be completely virtual because they are in a situation where they cannot have any of um, their employees participate in live shows without a virtual option. Therefore, we were pleased to have them on board with their my SQL community manager David Stokes talking about, uh, of course, my SQL. So uh, there, there's that uh, afoot, and we do have um, some other sponsors lined up, but uh, some of these details are, are still unfolding. All right, that's all right. We'll definitely let people know where they can find that information and this is probably actually a good spot to do that so if you want to tell everyone where they can go to find out more about the open libre free conference and get tickets become a sponsor perhaps donate become a volunteer or just get any information about olf where does one go to do that olfconference.org all right, that's great. Is there an email address that you want to let anyone know that might have questions or anything like that, or can all of that information be found on the website? That would be info at ohiolinux.org. All right, straightforward enough. So before we get out of here, Cheryl's been nice and quiet in the background there. Do you have any questions for Beth Lynn that you want to ask that I didn't touch on? I actually think you pretty well hit everything, so... Well, that's what I'm trying to do. We're trying to get people interested and ready, set, go to participate in OLF this year. I wish we could do it. We're going to we're gonna sort of be at OLF on the periphery when we, when we get there, basically, as the show winds up. But uh, unfortunately, the timing is not going to work out for us, but we'd love to do it. And if nothing else, maybe we can plan to be at OLF 2022. But be, usually what we do when we have an interview when someone's talking about something, we ask them to wrap up by letting us know if there's anything we forgot to ask you about or if there's some part of the show that you want to touch on that we didn't ask you about. Sure, yeah. Go ahead and make your travel arrangements. We have a um, hotel block at the Hyatt Regency Columbus. If you would like to, to stay elsewhere, it wouldn't won't hurt us but it is something that we are are proud that we were able to to bring a a discount rate to to anybody who'd be interested in it there there's going to be for folks that want to just come in locally there are contact free parking options within the same building so uh, that you you can come and in, enjoy the day in on your own terms in a way that will be um, comfortable and and safe to you. 
All right, and one more thing I just thought of that I want to ask before we wrap up here. The the virtual component of the show you said was going to be done via YouTube. Is it going to be semi-live or is it pre-recorded? Will people be able to interact via, like, text chat or anything like that? Or is it just going to be uh, streaming video? Well, we will have the streaming video. And last year we, we opened up slack and pun intended we got some slack for using slack because slack is not free software but neither is the 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 youtube chat we're we're considering doing that anyway we are um going to be soliciting a, a volunteer to be able to to manage the live chat in youtube should we go that direction because i've come to appreciate that whenever you you open a door you have to uh, consider moderation especially when you are on the internet where people might feel as though that they are anonymous nobody's truly anonymous online but a lot of people seem to think that way so, so there's that. Um, as far as one more thing that I, I can think of that I would like to, to tell your audience that I know that the Dayton Handvention is something that, that's near and dear to some of your audience. Is, um, that correct? Oh, absolutely. It's near and dear to us too. We're, we've been planning to go back to Dayton as soon as they decide to hold the show again. And we're hoping 2022 is that date. We're actually booked into hotels and everything. And Don, one of our listeners who's in the live chat tonight said while he was listening to you talk about Ohio, he booked his hotel for Hamvention as well. Well, well, fantastic. And, and we w- would very much appreciate if you or anyone from your audience could help connect us to them because we, we know how lonely it, it feels to have been a live show producer and expect the literal studio audience and not not necessarily know whether or not anybody is on the the other side of the screen and it's something that even your your big late night talk show hosts will talk about uh, that it it definitely had a different flow a different feel to it and it was something that we we very very dearly missed of having a live audience so we're we're so sympathetic to to anybody else who is in technology and the the do-it-yourself sort of mind feel to bring you up to the the notion that you would be keen to to try free software so if you could please connect us to the folks who run the Dayton Hamvention to see if that there was some way that we we could collaborate that that would be particularly spectacular. I also wanted to to mention that we are collaborating with uh, another such show that really did want to to be in person this year but couldn't it, it's called Maker X of uh, Columbus, Ohio. So we're we're very thrilled to to be able to to bring some uh live and in-person experiences to their audience 
just to uh, make it so that it, it is uh, the some elements of the the community that that they have um, come and and learned to love as well. All right. Well, we will do that. We have mentioned OLF at Hamvention when we've been there for sure. We've done it sort of informally, but we'll definitely try and get that out there. We've even heard from people who have attended both events, and that's really cool. And if Hamvention has a spot for like nonprofits and stuff like they usually do, they might reach out to you, or maybe we can talk to somebody and have them reach out to you about having a presence at Hamvention to get that out but i mean your your goal and ours is pretty much the same and we spend our time at hamvention talking about open source and linux and all and all the things that you do at olf as well so we just have a ham radio focus and we tend to do a little bit better there so with that i guess we should go ahead and wrap this up unless there's anything else you want to finish with Uh, otherwise we'll go ahead and let you go and get on with your evening and hope everybody will do their best to attend olf whether in person or virtually and uh participate in all the great things you've got going on thank you so much all right fantastic well let's go ahead and move on we do have some feedback we need to get to but thanks once again bethlyn eicher of the open libre free conference i guess i'm going to start calling it that from now on instead of ohio linux fest even though i've been told that both are synonymous and equally valid but i I sort of like the rebranding it'll uh do you well i think going forward to make the idea of the conference a little more global. So thanks once again for being here. Hope you have a great night. Thanks, Russ. I hope everyone can join us wherever you are or in Columbus, Ohio, December 3rd and 4th at the Hyatt Regency Columbus or on the YouTube near you, OLF Conference. Thank you so much. Perfect way to wrap that up. But before we close out this episode, we should go ahead and get to the feedback we've got here. And Cheryl, why don't you go ahead and read this feedback from Gene, since you haven't had a chance to do anything for the last 35 minutes. (laughs) Okay, I can do that. Okay. So a few weeks ago, the challenge was sent out for everybody to send us an email letting letting us know what new or interesting things you were doing with open hardware and software. So this message came from Gene, BX8AAD, and he said, Dear Russ, Cheryl, and Bill, the Chinese, or excuse me, uh, yeah, uh, let me start that over again. Dear Cheryl, uh, Russ, Cheryl, and Bill, the challenge this week was send us an email letting us know new and interesting things you're doing with open hardware and software. Well, the Chinese typing method I teach here is called kanji, which is open source. According to Wikipedia, quote unquote, the input method was invented in 1976 by Chu Bong Fu. Chu Bong Fu released the patent for kanji in 1982 as he thought the method should belong to Chinese cultural heritage. Therefore, kanji has become open source software and is on every computer system that supports traditional Chinese characters. And it's been extended so that kanji is compatible with the simplified Chinese character set. I'm currently working on a new typing tutor program in Python that will allow the user to learn to practice typing in Chinese using either the traditional character set, which is otherwise known as Big Five, or the simplified character set, which is GB2312. If it ever becomes polished enough for release to the general public, I will release it as open source software. 73 and Zijian, or goodbye, Jean, BX8AAD. All right, very cool. Thanks, Gene, for doing that, for actually following up on our challenge and telling us what cool things you're doing with open source. 
That's really neat. And we did actually get a chance to meet Gene. He is an American, but he's living in Taiwan and has for a long time. He's, uh, I don't know, uh, what, missionary, I guess, technically over there. And um, has been doing a lot to educate the people in Taiwan and does a lot with language. So that's really cool. Thanks, Gene. BX8AAD, and I forget what your American call sign is, but uh, that's really neat. And we'll be looking for your general public open source release when you get it polished. So moving on, we have an email from Rich, KJ7UIP. It says, hi, Bill, because this just went to Bill, but we're going to read it anyway. Ha ha. Just a quick note to let you know there are folks out there that listen to Linux and the Hamstack podcast that don't always call in or ask questions, except you've done it now. So, <laughs> but I do want to say I really appreciate your content, expertise, and humor as a user of Linux and finally accomplished my bucket list item of becoming a licensed ham. Your content has helped me tremendously, and I really like your call sign. Hey, maybe that's a topic for one of your podcasts. Woo! Call sign breakdown. I appreciate you, bro. 7 3. Rich KJ7UIP. So thanks, Rich. Even though you sent that to Bill only, we got to read it. Ha. <laughs> and uh, all right, so let's move on. We've got a comment on episode 431, which was our SDR deep dive. This comes from Rich K9Alpha Oscar. He says a few further comments on the SDR play SDR duo in a Linrad discussion. I discovered an application called RSP Duo EME. This is a Windows application that interfaces with the RSP Duo and allows for a phase measurement to do a calibration on the two streams to get them coherent. It was designed to feed MAP65, and it does that well, but the output streams can also feed LINRAD. If you set it up this way, then you have adaptive polarization dual-channel receive in LINRAD. The RSP Duo EME app is built for Windows, but the program's author shared that it was written in an environment that should be should make porting to Linux easy though he was not looking to do that himself. Perhaps one of our interested listeners might have a shot at getting this application going on Linux. If that was done, we would have an all-Linux solution to adaptive dual-channel reception using the SDR Duo. I've not had luck with the Windows version of Linrad and any of my SDR Play devices, even though it is supposed to be able to use the SDR Play API like Linrad in Linux does. And that was from Rich, K9AO. So thanks, Rich, for emailing us and there's a lot of technical stuff in there but maybe we put it out and somebody who wants to try and develop that for linux using whatever build environment was originally used might give this a shot i don't know and we have some comments on some youtube videos we put up bill's install videos and i'll let cheryl go ahead and read these out okay so W6BZY commented and said that the AUR package pages that all CQR log builds were broken on September 17th. The maintainer confirmed that this was the case and he sent a message, quote unquote, upstream for help. When your second video came out using an Arch distro, I shuddered, knowing this problem was going to raise its ugly head. Nate's random video comment was, I'm sitting here watching someone do distro's basic QA job for them. Yeah, that was in reference to Bill actually doing an install and the problems that always crop up with CQR log and its inability to link properly with MySQL's backend because someone apparently doesn't know how to maintain a package properly. So Bill has fixed that in the distribution that we released, the Linux and the Hamshack build of Ubuntu. So if you want to install our release, you don't have to worry about that and you don't have to worry about us doing someone else's QA job because it's already been done. 
And that brings us down to the end of the feedback, and that brings us down to the end of the show. So we want to thank everybody who listens to the show and supports us financially and helps keep the lights on. We really appreciate you. Just the downloads is all we really need because that's what keeps us going. And to hear that we're actually making a difference and getting people interested and, in fact, licensed is always good to hear. So if you have feedback for us, please send it to us. The information is in the show's outro. And uh, I think that is it. So let's go ahead and wrap this one up. This has been episode number 439 of Linux in the Ham Shack. And for the on-assignment bill in E4RD, I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And uh, Bill would say 7-3 here. So, 7-3. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The show is recorded live every Thursday at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter, and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash NHS podcast on the Freenode network, and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke Discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1909 LHS show. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. <laughs>